Right now, though, Francis is here. Good morning, Francis. Oh, tēnā koe, Mara. How are we today, my friend? Oh, pai rawa. Fitzi mai te rā, o kā harikoa. Oh, in the sunshines, that's what I'm happy, my bro. Oh, it is amazing out there right now. I'm sure it's pretty hot up in Taitokaro, but I can tell you it is hot down south as well. <laughs> that's right. It's probably raining up there, let's be honest about it. Oh. <laughs> it rains a lot. In oh, sometimes you know. Sometimes the summer's beautiful, just hot as, and then sometimes it's rainy as, and then either way, people are complaining. It's like, oh no, we we need to get rain, you know, for the crops and stuff. And then yeah. it's running. Oh man, I want a proper summer. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Let us begin. Um, of course, last week we were talking about the treaty. Uh, sorry, the, the declaration of independence of the United Tribes of New Zealand or Aotearoa, uh, and we touched a little bit on the sovereignty wars. <laughs> the sovereignty wars, far no. Um, but a, a lot of stuff stems from the treaty, and, and we hear a lot about um, the Treaty of Waitangi, and, the, and we hear that there is differences within the Maori treaty and uh, what the Maori signed and, and what Pakeha signed mm. um, but no one really hears about what those differences were aye alright so what were the differences Francis can you tell us yeah so pretty much a breakdown of the treaty as there was a preamble uh, following the preamble there were three written um, articles and I say three written articles because uh, there, there was a fourth one, um, which is just a kind of an oral contract. Contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, yeah, it's the treaties aren't considered different translations because they're so different. It's actually considered different versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so wait on just a sec. Just looking up some info this morning, Fano, found some really good stuff. So pretty much, I mean, you know, it'll take a while to read the treaty. Although, if you want to read the treaty, honestly, it'll only take like 5-10 minutes out of your day. So, Fano, if you haven't actually looked at the treaty, it's pretty pretty important. It is the second founding document of our nation. That's right. Um, so, again, I guess we can just say like the English version and the Māori version. And this is just, you know, general. But um, the preamble, English... Um, it's talking about like protecting uh, Māori interests, you know, there's a lot of Europeans at the time coming over and so a lot of rangatira, uh, Māori were concerned about, sorry that's my phone, sorry whānau, um, so it was a, a big concern about what was going to happen to the sovereignty of Māori with all these, um, you know, these uh, people coming over in their boats and, you know, what, what's actually going to happen. So the English version really emphasised Māori protection and interests uh, of, you know, encroaching kind of British settlement, mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, providing protection also for a stable British settlement um, and that there'd be, you know, kind of peace and order. And the Māori preamble, there's a bit of a different focus, more focused on um, rangatiratanga and uh, kind of Māori control. So again, I mean... The, the biggest difference is in the articles, but that is still different. Then uh, in Article 1, in the Māori uh, Article 1, it talks about giving the British kāwanatanga. Now, kāwana is a transliteration of governor. So a governor, governor, kāwana. Yeah. Um, and, and in the context, this was understood, you know, there was the Bible at the time, and so there could have been the example of, say, Pontius Pilate. Now Pontius Pilate wasn't an emperor, he wasn't a, a monarch, he was just governing over a, a region, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so and there's also the um, I think New South Wales and Australia there was the understanding of someone who was just governing over a region but again not a sovereign very different that was um, grey as well for a while in New South Wales hmm True, true. Yeah, so there, there were um, contemporary examples at the time of what a kawana would look like. And so, obviously, understanding that, that was what the Māori understanding was, whereas, of course, in the English text, it said ceding sovereignty. Yeah. So, Māori, you're ceding or giving, not really ceding because there was no kawanatanga before, but giving sovere- uh, giving kawanatanga, and then the English said um, sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, article 2... It uses the word rangatiratanga. So again, rangatira is like... Oh, actually, that's a really another beautiful word, but often translated as chief. Ranga means to weave. Mm-hmm. And tira is people. And so, oh, see, I get it. So rangatira is actually someone who can bind people together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone who weaves and, you know, kind of gives strength to that relationship. That is mm-hmm. really beautiful. I love that. Mm. Rangatiratanga. Rangatira and tanga as a suffix is just um, a state of being, you know, mm-hmm. something ship or something meant. So governorship, government. Um, and so it was using that word to describe, say, uh, fenua, so lands. Um, and, and an important word is taonga. So they use the word taonga, which is understood to be treasures. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be the phrase like taonga tsukuiho, so the treasures that have been passed on. Um, from past generations to us, you know, things that we we should treasure um, and cherish. Um, yeah. So, but by using the words like taonga, which is a very broad term, because if you think of a treasure, it could be things like like children, yeah, like a physical thing, but it could also be maybe a slightly more abstract thing like language. You know, mm-hmm. te reo Māori is a taonga, and it's actually been recognised as a taonga uh, since it was made an official language of New Zealand. So. There was the rangatiratanga over um, these things and the use of the word taonga, whereas the English said that you've got an undisturbed possession of properties of lands, forests and fisheries and other possessions. So uh, the translation of other possessions was taonga. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, when I think of a possession, it's a very physical thing, whereas taonga is a very wide-reaching, you know... Yeah. Um, and then the third article, not not really that much difference. It pretty much just says that Māori are regarded as British um, subjects, that they have like royal protection. Everyone's got same sovereign, ah, oh, same citizenship. Um, yeah. And then and the fourth article talks about. So it doesn't. It wasn't written, but it was um, a guarantee of religious freedom. And in the context, you have to think that there was the British, but there was also the French. Yeah. Um, and so I guess there were those who are Anglican and Catholic and the importance of with this new, you know, th- this coming of people, could we maintain that there's, um, you know, enable to, to exist in harmony with each other? We're the Presbyterians down here. Yeah, yeah. So there, so there is a range. I mean, you know, and in England there was quite a diversity of religion, mm. um, especially following uh, Cromwell. <laughs> oh. So you know, there, there is a range of, and also obviously um, Henry wanted to get that divorce, man. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously spiritual beliefs in Aotearoa. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, if you and and Fano, it's real important to have a look at these documents because, uh, along with Hepakaputanga o Te Rangatiratanga Nuterini. Um, with the Declaration of Independence and the Treaty, um, 
it actually kind of gives sense to the founding of this nation. Am I boring you, bro? No. <laughs> um, Certainly not. Trust me. But the thing is, if we look at the English version or the Māori version, and I mean, the English version I think was signed by like maybe 40 rangatira, mm. whereas the Māori was signed by over 500. Yeah. Um, but even if we look at the English version, it has been constantly broken for the last 100 and how many has it been? 177 years? Yeah. So I mean, like, and even even the thing that wasn't written about religious freedom. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know there were religions from that the Therians people brought over, but in 1907 there was the Tohunga Suppression Act, which actually stopped and Tohunga kind of like spiritual leaders, um, it banned that spiritual leadership. Um, so yeah, even even the article there wasn't written down. So. And also, you even with reading the treaty, we've also got to think that Tao Māori, the Māori culture and world, it comes from the oral tradition. Mm. So yes. you know, the the treaty was written in like a day, on say the fourth, translated overnight, like you know someone writing an assignment for university, yeah. presented to the rangatira on the fifth, signed on the sixth. Bit of a quick job. Um, but the thing is, when there were the talks, that was something quite significant. And maybe at the time, um, you know, people like Hobson, they might have said things and, you know, kind of interpreted the treaty for the rangatira and said, this is actually what it's about. Even though the, the rangatira could read the Māori version, um, it, w- it would have also been the oral tradition. Yeah, that makes packs. Yeah, exactly. You speak the truth. And you and, keep to those words. And actually thinking about this to the modern context of um, some groups which have come to that, because there's, there's also a r- quite a racist group which has come called Hobson's, Hobson's Pledge. Pledge. There we go, bro. Um, and the thing is, uh, you know, supposedly Hobson said, He iwi kotahi tato, or he iwi tahi tato, um, which means we are one people. Um, oh, and so, oh yeah. So the thing about that you know i i like that idea yeah we're one people but i don't know do you think that one people would you know steal each other's lands like it just doesn't really make sense because it's like oh we're one people maori shouldn't have any reference shouldn't be any reference to language culture or anything and law um and to me that doesn't make sense if we're actually embracing our united culture if it is a united culture um so the thing is Hobson's pledge if if it was heiwi kotahi tato um that is very different from the history of about 177 years of of post treaty history well i mean it's like the, it seems like the pokiha were just like let's just get this out of the way we'll get this thing done and then we can just push anything through in the future anyway yeah we'll we'll, we'll keep them happy with this little treaty because you got to remember the treaty disappeared for a long time too it was found in a drawer or something like that in the 1920s oh, it's okay. no one cared about it for, for a very long time so uh, it seems like it, you know the english just wanted to um, keep the natives happy give them their bit of paper and then move in and do whatever they wanted anyway because they went into taranaki into um tauranga Mm. Uh, and all these areas and just um, you know to take and to claim uh, without any thought and and there comes the sovereignty rules you know and and the thing is you know we're talking about this and maybe the um, 
the, obviously different intentions. Well, going into the treaty, going into this agreement, because it was an agreement between two different groups of people, two different nations and powers, um, every agreement is a... Um, uh, kind of a, a recognition of power sharing. That is what a contract is, you know, that is what a treaty is. Um, and it's just that there was two different groups of people with two different ideas of how much this power sharing would be. Um, the thing is that if we look at the treaty, uh, there really should have been clearer use of the wording. Um, if Māori did in fact, uh, if the Europeans did in fact want to take sovereignty for the Queen, which was the intention, mm-hmm. um, then I think if they said that to Māori and they made it clear, they would also know that Māori would not sign. Like, why would you, in your good mind, sign away all your power to a, a power, the Queen, who you had never met, you know? As is such a strange concept, um, and so I think I think that has a big role to play in terms of the supposed bad translation. Um, but I, I guess the the thing is, it's it's not that we have to be like, oh, you know, this is um, this is terrible, and you know, people should feel bad. It's not about um, ever commenting on people of today and people feeling bad or anything. I think the most important thing about history in general, whether we're talking about the treaty or Hewhakaputanga or any part of New Zealand or world history, um, it's so important to acknowledge history, uh, to open our minds to the realities of history mm-hmm. and look at both different perspectives. Um, and also, yeah, look at history, the realities of history with an open mind um, and not think of how one group of people might have been like, oh, you know, I feel guilty, or oh man, maybe my people are to blame. No, that's a waste of time. The most important thing is though, what's been done, and how can we actually move from here, and try and restore the ills of the past, you know? Well, I mean, the thing is, we we look back at, like, the Treaty of Versailles, and we look back at the Treaty, you know, all these other treaties, or we look back at, you know, just recently we've been commemorating um, some more battlefields during World War One, and we take those real seriously, like, as a nation, and and we don't knock it, and we don't, you know, um, have, you know, try to say, oh, but that was the past, let's not worry about it now. But when it comes to a lot of people in the treaty, um, they're like, well, hey, times have moved on, we've changed as a nation get over it mm. and yeah, you don't hear that you don't hear that at Passchendaele that makes you really sad you know you know here at Anzac Cove uh, people you know commemorating the war and one side you know all the the, oh, the Nazis did all that bad stuff let's just get over it that was the past mm. you know well why do we have to do that about our own yeah it's, it's a very interesting selection <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is and you know we've heard um, we were just saying a little bit before about um about Willie Jackson and he's come out and talked about foreshore and, and seabed and of course foreshore and seabed is included in that because it's a Tonga and that is mm-hmm. something that Māori is still supposed to have sovereignty uh, of under the treaty uh, in Article 1 and uh, and oh, now Article he's two, oh, Article 2 yeah and now he's saying that um, you know Māori don't care Māori don't care and maybe there is a large selection of urban rich Māori that don't you know, or but uh, I, I I would hazard the guess that the majority of Maldivian care and care a lot. Hmm. You know, I actually do like 
I do like Willie, and he's done a lot of good in terms of um, on Wātea Radio. Uh, he's got a kura, um, you know, trying to strengthen more Māori MPs in Parliament. You know, he's got some good things going, but man, I really did not appreciate that, st- appreciate that statement that he made about most Māori don't care anymore about uh, the foreshore and seabed. Because, yeah, as you said, uh, it is connected to the treaty. Um, but it's also, it was also one of the main founding reasons for the creation of the Māori Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm not saying that the Māori Party is perfect. They do have, they have had issues, um, you know, and they've made mistakes. But one thing which I feel like a lot of people and yeah, a lot of people agree on is that there really needs to be this conversation about who are the kaitiaki of Te Takutai Moana, who are, who are the guardians um, who can take care of our shoreline. You know, because like the idea of... The, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it feels like whenever um, something is recognised for Māori, such as, say, water rights... A lot of people might feel like they're losing something. Like, oh, if Māori get this, that means I'll lose this. You know, it's really, it's like, if Māori aren't kaitiaki of our coastlines, they're just going to get mined, you know? Like, they're going to be exploited by the government of the day. Whereas, if they are protected by Māori, you can be guaranteed that if a government does want to mine, at least there'll be a barrier, um... Or like a delay period where it's like actually they have to consult with Māori and Māori have to agree, mm-hmm. you know? And I think most of the time you'll find that Māori will be like, no, actually this is important for our people and this is actually helping the survival of our people in connection with the environment, you know? Like a lot of people depend on kaimoana, on seafood, to survive. Yeah. Instead of going and having to spend all your money at Pakenzo, you can actually live off the land and that's a beautiful thing. If we don't have any control and it's just completely up to the government who might just invite, say, Petrobras or Statoil or whoever to come and mine our coastline, um, then it lies, it leaves open the possibility that some catastrophe could happen. And then once that happens, what can we do? You know, and the government, all, they'll ca- all they can do is say, oh, I'm sorry. But the thing is, sorry doesn't bring back the Kaimwana, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, I don't know, I think it was a, a bit of a um, not thought out statement by Willie Jackson uh, because I really do appreciate a lot of what he says, but that I did not appreciate. And Hone Haruera hit him up because, yeah. Because he's Hone. What do the Hone's mum say? <laughs> that's the one you're really going to watch. Um, well, the, but the thing is, like you said at the beginning of this conversation, everybody, it doesn't take long. Go and read the treaty. It honestly will take you five minutes. Five minutes. And is there a proper, better translated version of the Maori? Yes. Yes, there is. And I believe 1975, there was a translation done by um, Professor Hugh Kafaro. Mm-hmm. Kafaru. Um, and so it, it, what he did was he took the translation of oh sorry the english version oh no sorry he took the maori version and then he tried to translate it as accurately as possible yeah um and did a very good job yeah and so actually i'm um oh yeah i've got it somewhere well i I actually opened i was just reading things about it this morning and yeah i found i found a proper version of its translation so um 
Yeah. So if, if we look, you know, say we were talking about the second article about yeah. the forestries, fisheries and stuff, which is in the English version. If we look at the Māori version translated properly, um, he, he translated as, uh, you know, um, Hugh Kahoru. The Queen of England agrees to protect the chiefs, the sub-tribes of all the people of New Zealand in the unqualified exercise of their chieftainship over their lands, villages and all their treasures. Unqualified chiefmanship. That's yeah. all you need to hear. Yeah, exactly. That's all you need to hear. Um, and the thing is, when we were talking last week um, with the Professor of Politics, Janine, um, she made a reference to the treaty actually can't be understood fully without the context of He Whakaputanga, which is the Declaration of Independence, or the Declaration of Sovereignty. Um, and the thing is, say if I read the first article, and I'll translate it. Ko ngā rangatira o te whakamininga me ngā rangatira katoa hoki ki hai i uru ki taua whakamininga ka tuku rawa atu ki te kwini o ingarani ake tonu atu te kawana tanga katoa o ratau enua. So it's translated as the chiefs of the... This is a good translation. The chiefs of the confederation and all the chiefs who have not joined that confederation give absolute sovereignty... Oh, sorry, give absolute... <laughs> no, sorry, give absolutely to the Queen of England forever the complete government over their land. So it actually makes specific reference in the first article to the wakamininga. Now, the wakamininga was the gathering. Mm -hmm. So that was the assortment of all the rangatira who would gather for this discussion about, yes. say... Um, determining laws and looking at where they're going for the future. So before it talks about just any chief, they say the confederation of chiefs. Yeah. And those chiefs who who haven't joined as well. That's like a parliament. Yeah, it is. It, it, I guess it's the first kind of um, formal gathering of yeah as as a as a Maori parliament. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's nice and easily done but it's probably not done that way and um i shouldn't you know it's just we don't want to get mixed up like the treaty <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll just stick with fuck i mean yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> um all right all right so yeah we're gonna have to go because we're, we're running uh, over time but um just go read the goddamn thing yeah um yeah when, when you look it up make sure because there's a lot of information and it's actually really easy to find um but yeah make sure you look at professor hugh kahoru and I believe his translation was done in 1975. Um, so, if you don't, if, if you can um, understand Te Reo Māori, also read the Māori version. Yeah. But if you can't read this translation, so you can read the English version and the the properly Māori translated English version. And yeah, it'll it'll give a bit of context to why, say, a lot of Māori. If you, if if it's a, a struggle to understand why Māori are so passionate about this. Understanding the treaty as a basis will give a, a, a lot of understanding. All right. Just imagine, just quickly, here's an analogy. You own a house. And you can't afford to pay the mortgage on that house anymore, so you have to sell the house. But you make a deal with the new landlord who buys the house that you get to live in that house after you sell it, in a way. But then they kick you out whenever they want. I'm not saying you sold the land. I'm not saying the sovereignty was ceded of the house, but I'm just saying you've made a deal and then the deal's gone. They've just gone, nah, fuck you, and kick you out. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty rats. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I think the treaty is more you had your house, you had no mortgage, 
and your house got stolen and your land got stolen yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know hundreds of years later your grandchildren get chucked in prison because they have yeah. no land and then they need to survive and so they go and steal a water bottle and then they get chucked in jail yeah um <laughs> that, that, but yeah i think i think the main thing is like just any contract you know people struggle to understand or people um might not want to acknowledge the treaty as a contract in a way whereas say if anyone signs a flat you know, if they're like, please, um, you know, don't damage anything, and then, you know, you destroy, smash all the windows and stuff, um, if you're not willing to fix it, you're going to get kicked out. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's a contract. Like, and But the thing is, if you look after the flood and everything, and then um, the guy just kicks you out for no reason, you can take them to court. Mm. Because that's illegal. Hey, trip to the UN, and the UN said that the, treaty, the Maori version of the treaty is the correct one. I oh, yeah, tika and mother. Yeah, yeah, and we we say yep. Yeah, oh, let's listen to them when uh, when we're talking about going to war, and we we like the things that they say that we like, and then all of a sudden you you've got to got to listen to everything. Selective. Yeah, selective. I that's mean, it's uh, just, uh, that's uh, the word of the day. It's just like the you know the we we all agree on what's happening in America and in Canada when it comes to the First Peoples and and, and Native Americans. Mm. Well, why can't we do the same here for our people in Aotearoa? Um, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much, my friend. Always a pleasure.